Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost my turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. Hey guys, welcome to Coffee Combos. Lindsay and I are still in Dallas. I feel like Dallas has been forever, but we've only been here for a few days. Honestly, it's been a complete shit show. Totally. And I feel like we have learned so much about ourselves in like the last 48 hours that I didn't even know about myself or certain capabilities that I had and also that I don't have. Yeah, I... But it's weird because I was just here probably in February and I don't feel like it was as much of a shit show. So I'm not really sure what happened and why this was such a disaster. Um, (laughs) Well, partially, I think, because when you have um, multiple people with multiple personalities you're so fly by the seat of your Wait, pants did like, you mean like one person has multiple personalities or yes possibly <laughs> possibly or multiple people with multiple personalities right like everyone's different different right no no, so no, no no i'm saying like multiple people individually with split, with personal. split personalities <laughs> i'm not one of those um, kale's one of those no um actually I busted in Kale's room at like 10 o'clock last night and she was in bra and underwear. In bed. In and bed I didn't get out of... With possible mono and I'm a germaphobe. So um, I'm kind of concerned and going to Clorox the mics before we leave. Leave. Yeah. yeah so, that, so that I don't get mono. I don't know where... Nucleosis. I was... So I went to the doctor before I came to Dallas and I had to push my day back, my flight back the, the, to the following day. No, no, no. Can we rewind about all the flight changes that that you had and how you were going to be filming? I was going to be filming for the show and we were going to maybe do Pride, Dallas Pride and all these things. And then I came home from camping. I think I mentioned before. Glamping. Glamping. My bad. They told me that I had strep throat, but they did not do a swab test. So they just, based on my my medical history or whatever, they were like... Yep, it's strep. Here's some antibiotics, some steroids, steroid shot, and be on your way. I said, okay, can I get on a flight tomorrow? They said, yes. As long as you've been on antibiotics for 24 hours, you're not contagious, you'll be fine. Great. Well, we're on day four now, and I'm pretty sure I have mono. I don't think that it is, in fact, strep. Which is why I'm not going to question a doctor's ability because, you know, I'm no medical professional, and I'm not going to diagnose anybody with anything, but why you would spend the time to go to urgent care and then look at your tonsils and say, oh, you have strep without doing a culture. Right. That's concerning to me. Because I woke up this morning on day four feeling literally when I woke up, I was like, I cannot go back to sleep because I might suffocate. My tonsils are so big. Yeah. This is disgusting. People are going to ask me, they're probably going to harass me for even coming here while I'm sick. So question, I've only had strep throat one time and that was in like sixth grade. I think I've talked about it on the podcast before <laughs> about how I was like quarantined to the basement. Yeah. Um, like a creature. Yeah. And I felt like I was out of school for a really long time, but it probably wasn't, but I felt like it was two weeks. No, I've definitely been out of school for 
strep throat for like a week or two. So I'm going to say that it was two weeks. It's like death. It kind of sounds a little bit more dramatic and a little bit better for the story. So (laughs) two weeks out of school and I thought I was dying. My parents probably purged the couch that I was laying on because nobody, you know, wants to get strep. But I've heard, that's the only time I've ever had strep in my life. And you've had it since I've known you probably like six times. I mean, I've definitely had it more than, the doctor told me I need to go get my tonsils out, but like, I just don't have time. I'm a mom. We work. I'm obviously working through the strep. So like, I just don't have the time or you know, the ability to just like take time, like weeks off to recover. Like I just don't have it. Well, like moms do not get sick days ever, ever. It's not sick days aren't a thing. No, because even if there's a second person in the household, which for me, there's not, even if there was that person is likely to be at work all day. And you're still taking, and I'm still taking, right. So it wouldn't really make a difference. And you can relate. Then Kale was sending me pictures of, um, Lux climbing all over her and like putting his fingers in her nose and like all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, great. Now Lux has it. And now <laughs> like the whole state of Delaware has it. And just like, don't blame me. I got it from someone else. I don't know. Um, can you please tell the listeners what you told me about wearing a scarf to the airport? Oh, I said I was going to wear a scarf to the airport so that I don't contaminate it. I don't want them to say like teen mom two spreads strep all over the airplane. <laughs> strep all over American airlines. <laughs> Honestly, they pissed me off because they delayed the flight, changed the gate, did all that nonsense. So I had a terrible experience on my flight here. Um, No Wi-Fi, which, by the way, I always rave about Delta. I will forever be a Delta frequent flyer. (laughs) And um, they give Wi-Fi for free. So um, American, you're busted and (laughs) I don't like you. And... Also, they said, well, if you have a T-Mobile number, then you can get free Wi-Fi. And I'm like, first of all, who has T-Mobile? Is that, I, didn't, I thought they went out of Ask the people. That's what I said. I said, wasn't T-Mobile like... Going under? Going under or weren't they like bought out by somebody? And she was like, oh, well, I don't know. I don't have T-Mobile either, either but I have a friend who has T-Mobile, so I just put their number in. And I'm like, okay, first of all, what's the number? that's extra. And what's the number so I can have it for my Wi-Fi? But I was completely disconnected from the world for the flight. And then I asked the lady sitting next to me, um, bless her heart, I don't even think she spoke English, but I was like, do you have T-Mobile? And she goes, yes, I have T-Mobile. And I'm like, bitch, give me your number like so I can have Wi-Fi. But then she was sitting there playing Candy Crush and I was like, Okay, I just don't even have time for this. I'm I just going to sleep. I have to say, though, I do not typically get the Wi-Fi on the plane unless I really need it because I kind of like to be disconnected for those couple of hours. You do? Yeah. See, like, I feel anxiety. Sometimes on the flight to LA because it's six hours for me, sometimes I will. But typically, I just... You never get the Wi-Fi. I know you don't. Give me a goddamn Benadryl and let me pass out. <laughs> and I've <laughs> talked to my son probably like on... FaceTime. You're not allowed to FaceTime on the plane. Five times. No, I've talked to him on this trip five times. I'm texting. The funniest message he sent me, um, I guess he was doing talk to text. And so it was so funny. I'm going to read it to you guys so that you can hear what it says. Louise, mommy. That was my mommy. You're so awesome, Louise, mommy. Went to his mom and you're so awesome, Louise. Molly would do it again. That is (laughs) awesome. What was he trying to say? So I FaceTimed him and I was like, Jackson, were you trying to do the talk to text? He said, yeah, but it wasn't really working. (laughs) He sent me this audio clip. (laughs) Voicemail. Hold on. 
voicemail. Bad voicemail. Because <laughs> he knew it didn't make any sense. I guess when it played back, <laughs> it didn't make any he sense. Tried. So then I FaceTimed and I was like, what is all of this about? And he was like, well, I was just trying to say, that's so awesome, mommy. Aww. But I guess he kept trying to like say it over and over again. And it just said, kept saying, I kept Louise. saying, Louise, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Louise Bobby. And he's been wanting to FaceTime Kale and I the whole time we've been here. He acts like I'm in a foreign country. I'm only in Dallas. Um, <laughs> and and everything's fine. But I, I have major anxiety and I'm probably going to get more anxiety as this episode goes on because um, as I was surfing Instagram late one night, I came across a profile um, of a lady whose story just intrigued me. And, and this is what you're... Our guest? Yes. Okay. Lindsay, I don't, I was in the mall parking lot. I don't know what the fuck I was doing, but I was parked and I wasn't shopping and I wasn't Probably getting like, pregnant with another kid. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I was by myself. Um, Perfect. That's I get good a, to know. a text from Lindsay and she sends me this video with Shane Dawson and um, I think they're friends, Brittany. Um, and she's telling her story about human trafficking. And I literally, then I definitely wasn't going inside to shop because I needed to watch all 20 minutes. Yeah. Like I needed to sit there and figure out what the fuck was going on. Um, so same. All right, y'all. I have a quick question. Are your kids buying apps that they shouldn't or using social media apps that they're too young for? Most parents know the feeling that their kids are outsmarting them with technology and it can be scary to figure it all out. And that's why we love Circle. You can use Circle to set limit, filter content, and end screen time debate with your kids. Kids get online and they have so many distractions like Fortnite, Snapchat, TikTok, YouTube, and other ones that I've probably never even heard of. But Circle makes it easy to take childhood offline so that they can focus on homework, chores, and bedtime. Circle is the easiest way to manage your family's online time across all their connected devices inside and outside your home. You can monitor history, usage, and time limits. Each family member has a profile that's fully customizable to their needs, age, and maturity. Right now, our listeners get a limited time offer of $30 off of a Circle Home Plus when you visit meetcircle.com coffee and enter coffee at checkout. Get $30 off when you visit meetcircle.com slash coffee and enter coffee at checkout. This is a limited time podcast exclusive offer. So that's meetcircle.com slash coffee and enter coffee to save $30. So um, we have a guest today, Brittany, Brittany Louise Taylor, um, and we're so excited to have you and for you to share your story and just kind of talk about everything that you've been doing and what you're up to now. We're going to give the Cliff Notes version, right? <laughs> we need like two days. Can we not we do the like, Cliff, no- Cliff Notes version? Or maybe Cliff Notes, but with like a lot of details. Yeah. yeah. yeah we'll, do, we'll do Cliff Notes with like the, the juicy parts because like anytime I've sat down to tell my story from like start to finish, and I've done it so many times for lawyers and whatnot, it always takes like at least three hours. <laughs> it's like, and by the end, everyone's mouths are always hanging open. And oh, then, mine you know, was. Yeah, I sent like, it to everyone I know. After I saw the video, I sent it to everyone else I know. Yeah, I mean, because it's, I mean, I feel like I'm a very, I'm a somewhat intelligent female. And if it happened to me, it can happen to anyone. And I felt like now, like the only way for me mentally to survive all of this was to turn it into something positive and like a way to raise awareness. And I think- you know, that's what you have to do or else you just go crazy. Like, why did I, you know, why did I make these decisions? 
Well, so can you um, introduce yourself to our listeners and kind of explain your backstory or however you would normally start um, about where all of this started? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. Um, I was a typical struggling actress in LA and I discovered YouTube. And once I fell into that black hole, <laughs> it sucked me in. And, um, you know, I, I kept thinking, you know, if I just became a name online, that would probably open up doors for acting and I sure. wouldn't just be another brunette female in Los Angeles. So um, through YouTube, I, you know, I just, I met Shane, who you talked about. And it was really the videos that we did early on that blew up like my channel. Like I was, you know, he was an amazing friend and he's really talented. And, you know, we did one called emo breakup and that did really well. And, you know, before I knew it, I had this career on YouTube that's lasted, I don't know, 14 years. Can I just stop you right there and just say that I think that people really, um, don't give enough credit to like a career in YouTube. Like, I think that it's so, um, underrated. It's, it, it's kind of under the radar. Like, yeah. you know, it'll be, I'll be at the, you know, if I go to the mall or certain places where I know my demographics are like 18 to 25 year old females. So if I'm at a venue that I know there'll be women, they'll come up and then their parents are always super confused. Like who's, yeah. <laughs> what is this? Like, what does she do? So, um, but I started doing like mostly like music video parodies and sketch comedy. And I was doing a lot of scripted stuff. And then, um, I of course was not really dating and, I kind of like really focused on my career and pushed my love life to the side. And before I knew it, I was 31 and I had a cute little house and, you know, money in the bank and I was so lonely. So I did what most people, you know, do and turned to online dating. And I had a friend that we were at a conference in Florida and I had never heard of Tinder before. And he opened up his Tinder app and like started swiping. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm going to find myself a date. And like, really? <laughs> oh my God. Like, what? And, he, and he started showing me the, like the profiles and like, you know, I was just, you know, intrigued by it. I was like, like, it was like a grocery shopping for potential partners. Right. Like, right. what do you want? Do you want <laughs> blonde? Do you want, like, do you want curly hair? Like, do you want tall? Like if they are, who they say they are, like, you can kind of filter through and find some people. And before I knew it, I, you know, was going on a lot of dates and I had a few like short relationships. And then I met Milos and it was kind of a weird space in my life because I had someone right before him that I was really, you know, thought I was in love with and, you know, our puppy love. And he broke up with me to marry someone for her green card. So she was a, a Russian. So I just saw on his Instagram one day, a photo like and I, I follow him like there's no way I wouldn't have seen this right right, right. so it says M- my wife and like a photo of this new woman and I text him right away and called him out and I'm like are you serious like that's why we broke up like you're broke and instead of getting a job you got a wife like you know that, that like that really so happened I, that really happened so I was in a really like strange headspace I think I felt like I you know I was like okay I'm gonna go for people different than I normally choose. I'm going to go for someone who has a job and a car and a career. <laughs> sounds like- that sounds like Kale. Kale always <laughs> says the next person that I'm with is, I hope he has a job and a car. <laughs> yeah, 
Yes. And like, you know, goals, like, you know, they have like they, things they want to do in life. And, you know, it's not just talks because people can talk a lot, but actions speak, you know, a lot. Yeah, that. And, of course. Yeah. And so, you know, when I saw Milo popped up and like right away, I'm like, one, I'm like, okay, he was gorgeous. And from Europe. Did and he look like that in real life? Was he like really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> at first, I was like, I'm not getting like catfish. Like, what is this? You know, because like no one, you know, he had like professional photos on his Tinder profiles. Like, you know, there was one of him like, you know, on a boat, like with an oar over his shoulders and like bulging muscles. And you, you could tell it was like a professional photo. So I swiped right. And immediately he was messaging me and being like, you know, hello, beautiful. Like, you know, and I could tell his English was like a little broken. And I was like, whatever. Like, you know, I think I've watched enough TV and movies that I, I think I had this romantic vision of like, ooh, cute foreigner who's a doctor, like going to sweep me off my feet. Right. So, um, I, I mean, I was a little hesitant going into it, like, you know, just because I had just gotten out of a relationship like two weeks prior with the other guy. But I, I also felt like there was something I needed to prove. So um, he, we started talking. He got my number right away. He was messaging me. He wanted to take me out. Like, I remember it was like that Sunday. We were supposed to go out for coffee or something. And then Sunday came around and he blew me off. And so I was like, oh, great. Like another L.A. flick, whatever, move on. <laughs> so I was, uh, I mean, it's just, you get used to it. I mean, that's just the world. Um, but <laughs> I, was at, I, was at, I was at a convention in um, VidCon in Anaheim. And then it was like two weeks later. And I remember it was like 11 o'clock at night. I was with one of my really good friends and his boyfriend. And Milo started messaging me, like, saying, oh, like, come out for drinks. We're in, like, Manhattan Beach. Like, come, you know, me and my cousin. And I was like, oh, great, hook up. Like, you know, he obviously is just looking for that. And I kind of, you know, told him from there, like, look, we had plans. Like, you didn't follow through. Best of luck. So he's like, no, no, you don't understand. Like, give me another chance. Like, that kind of thing. And then I, the next day... I went back to California and he was harassing me like, you're going to, you know, we should go out. Let's go out. Let's go to coffee. Like, you know, and he kind of forced me into it. And I was obviously really curious, like, who is this person that keeps like pursuing me? Right. Like a doctor. <laughs> who is the person? Like, you know, I was very, you know, intrigued. So we went to coffee and I went to this roaster's place. And like at the moment, like I saw him, I kind of knew I was in trouble. <laughs> like He was like, you know, six foot two and he had freckles and tan and this cute little accent and very smart and well-spoken and spoke all these languages. And, but I mean, even from the start though, there was something weird. Like I, I couldn't, in my gut, I didn't know if like I was having anxiety because he like you know had a job and he was like a man and I've been dating boys or I just couldn't place it but I think I knew from the start something wasn't right but as women I think sometimes we just ignore the re- yeah. the red flags like not just we you do. but anyone I I don't and maybe guys do it too I don't know but I think that every Lindsay and I can both you know yeah say that we probably ignored red flags that we shouldn't have well I don't really have like a dating major dating experiences because I've been with the person that I've been with since I was 19. So I don't really have <laughs> all of the like Tinder, Bumble. You yeah, know, I've like, never done yeah. those apps. I've but, never like, done them. I've definitely been in relationships where I oh, should they're, they're exhausting. You're so lucky. Like, literally, because yeah. it, it gets stressful. It's not... And then you're like, you start to overthink it. Like, you know, it, it makes, I think it makes love easier and it makes it also harder because, you know, you're going to these apps to try to find someone, but how do you know really just from a little profile and some photos, 
like maybe that person just was really bad at writing out a description and had fuzzy pictures and they could have been the one. So I think it's hard. It's hard sometimes when, you know, you try to take things into your own hands, but we're all, you know, we're all just out there trying to find someone. And, uh, when I was, you know, with Milos and, you know, went on that date, like, you know, that first date turned to two dates, turned to like seven or eight dates. And each date I would have major anxiety and I kept talking myself into it. I'm like, you know, this guy, he's obviously gorgeous. Like you're physically attracted to him. Like he checked every box, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. you know, and that's that a red list. flag. Like right. when they check every yeah. box, then you're like, wait a minute, yeah. this is too good, <laughs> too good to be yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I kept waiting for, like, I think, the other shoe to drop. And then I remember, like, it was about date nine. I finally stopped fighting it a little bit. And we were out, you know, in a park and we just had donuts and we we're sitting down and just uh, opening up about our lives. And he had talked about before a lot about his wealth. And, you know, that kind of turned me off because I'm not a person that's like, you know, I'm not money hungry. Like, you know, if you have a job, cool. It could be at McDonald's. I don't care. Like, I, right. it was a little weird that he was trying to, I don't know. I just thought maybe it was him trying too much to like impress me if that makes sense and um, yeah but I just I didn't like how he was talking about money so quickly and like the yacht that they own and his family's businesses and he was big leaking just, yeah but, but here's the thing though he had photos you would pull it up and show him like on the yacht and like you know it wasn't like him just talking like there was actual like proof of what was going you know, on he what was, was saying. being said yeah yeah by now, you guys have heard us talking about how much we love our Quip toothbrushes, so I hope you ordered one for yourselves, but if not, you can do it now. Quip has finally updated the toothbrush situation with a sleek electric toothbrush that mounts to your mirror and is perfect for travel, too. And now Quip has a kid's version of the toothbrush for smaller hands, but with all the amazing features. It vibrates, and then every 30 seconds, it pulses you so you know when to switch sides, which is great for kids who never seem to brush long enough. And they send you a replacement head every three months for just five bucks so you know you're following a dentist-recommended schedule and it shows up at your door whenever you need to replace it. And with 75% of people using old, ineffective brushes, I know you guys can use a toothbrush update. My favorite thing about Quip is that they travel easily. I actually ordered Jackson the kids' version of Quip and it's his travel toothbrush. Um, It's amazing. I love it. It teaches him how to brush and... All kids need to learn personal hygiene. That's why I love Quip and why over 1 million happy mouths do too. Quip starts at just 25% off. And if you go to getquip.com slash coffee right now, you get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash coffee. So it was about that point that I'm like, okay, I'm going to let him in. And then like, before I knew it, I felt like head over heels fast. And I was like, you know, I had never been in love before. I thought that maybe I was just broken. I thought like, you know, I, I never had experienced like being in love and I had, you know, dated a lot and, you know, been in, you know, but I'd never like felt that, like that feeling. And you just know when you know, and I knew. And, um, at that point too, I had also, I was a virgin. I thought I was waiting until marriage and I, at how first old I was were like you? 31. Oh, wow. So I you know. were a virgin until you were 31. You beat me. 30, 31. And, but I was trying to wait for the right person, but then I spent like 10 years of my life working, you know, 12 hours a day or more. And then before I knew it, I was like, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, part of me was like, I need to get this silver with because I want to be in the sexually active club. I don't well, it's just like human just nature a, to like want yeah. to be with somebody and have that like intimacy. I think that's human nature. Exactly. For everyone. 
Yeah, exactly. And but I mean, you know, and I I like was in a way, and then you know, Milos was just gorgeous, and you know, before she knew it, like that was how, you know, that was gone, and I you know was in like my first I think real like physical emotional relationship, and um, the only problem was like right away his family like was not for and behind us, and I think that anyone will tell you in a relationship if like the their their parents don't like you even if they've never met you that makes things really complicated. So um, from the when we met, got together, his mom and her business partner started putting pressure on him right away to come back to Serbia because he was only supposed to come to L.A. to kind of like, you know, blow off some steam. He had finished medical school. He got his like master's in forensic pathology. So and he, he was, was to go- actually in school. Yeah, well, he he you know he was in he had just graduated um, the University of Belgrade in Serbia. So he had he had been in the U.S. for it was only supposed to stay for a little while. Had been for almost two years when I met him, and his family was like, "No, like there's beautiful women in Serbia. Like go back to Serbia. Why are you dating this girl that makes silly videos on YouTube? I don't understand." So um, he was getting financial support from his family. It was like thirty thousand a month, and then when he decided to. Well, I mean, he had a, an apartment in Beverly Hills. He had an apartment in Marina Del Rey. He had a really nice Lexus. Like, everything he owned was designer. Like, at that point, I, like, believed that this was legit. So, basically, when um, when he the family, like, cut him off financially, I um, he at first was teaching tennis lessons because he was like, a tennis pro before and he tore his ACL. So... His clientele was mostly, like, rich women that were in their, like, 50s, and they were always very, like, friendly with him, and I think they just wanted to, like, stare at him more than anything, so he, um, you know, needed to finish his medical boards here in the United States before he can practice medicine, and if he was deciding to stay with me, he needed to finish his boards and get a job here in the United States, so... We met in July, and then by November of that year, I said, look, because he was just driving back and forth on the 405, and that freeway is terrible, and not getting his boards done. I said, I will financially support you if you, you know, want two months to get your boards done, just study, and then, you know, get it done, and then, you know, get to work kind of thing. But the two months turned into four months, turned into six months. It got really crazy because about um january of 2016 we had a woman contact us saying that like you know she basically was saying that milos and her work together and that don't believe anything he's saying and then he told me she was a call girl so oh, wow. that she was just that she was just blackmailing him for money had found out about his family's wealth and whatnot and it felt like we he just couldn't get the boards done because drama kept happening, if that makes sense. And I, at that point, like, he started to get very verbally abusive. And I was kind of taking it because I felt like it was my fault. Like, I felt like, okay, I'm the one. That's yeah, what I'm they do. Him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. And, and I also felt like he had given up everything for me. He always said, it, like, I had everything when I met you. I had everything. And... You know, I felt like I had put stress on him financially and his family just because he wanted to stay in the United States and date me, if that makes sense. So, um, I mean, it got to a point, though, after the whole bunny thing happened with, like, her saying that they were sleeping together that I was like, okay, I just – I went to New York in March of 2016. And when I was gone, I was like, oh, I don't think I'm in love with this person anymore. And I felt like 
the best thing would have been at that point for him to move out, you know, get a job, and then maybe we just start dating and not be together, and then just see if he can, like, you know, get established on his own two feet. But at that point, when I was in New York, I started really craving, like, chicken and, like, protein. And it was weird because I was vegan. And I'm like, why do I just want a Quest bar? Like, what is wrong with me? And then um, my period was late. And I thought maybe it was – I was stressed. But then, like, four days, five days, like, nine days later, I kind of had it in claim that I may be pregnant. So before I even left New York, I went on Amazon and I ordered, like, a bunch of pregnancy tests. You know, they have those, like, packs, like, 25 Yep. So, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know so, that, but for future references, thank you. It's fantastic. Yeah, you can just buy the, like, the little pea strips. So, like, they're, um, so I, that was already at my house by the time I got back to California. I, um, you know, peed in a cup, dipped it in, and, like, within seconds, it was, like, pregnant. I did it again. Pregnant. Pregnant. And I was like, are you kidding me? I want to break up with this person. And um, also, I forgot, also at that point, Milos had told me, too, that his family had, like, mafia ties. So part of the reason why that woman that had come out, like, blackmailing that she stopped contacting and left him alone is she said, you know, he said that, like, they're, the business partner and his mom took care of it. And I'm like, well, what do you mean they took care of it? It's like, well, basically, he told me that they had sent, like, a car and, like, you know, put a gun to her head and basically silenced her. So I'm like, oh, wow. great. So I'm involved with, like, a Russian monster. But, I mean, again, I'm an empathizer. So I was like, okay, he had gone to medical school, was trying to make something of his life. He had you know left that business like what if I was born into like a mafia family like you can't help who your parents are sometimes like you know even but I was it was freaking me out and I kind of wanted to break up with them but once I got pregnant I had this father of my child living in the house and I had really horrible morning sickness so for about five months I stopped working how did he react to the pregnancy was he excited was he nervous did he he, not want the baby well, he had forever said that he wanted me, like, I would be a good mom, like, we need to have, like, four kids. He, so y'all had I talked about him. having a family before? For, like, eventually, but, like, I'm a very, like, I wanted to get married and, like, you know, wait till right before my eggs are going to expire, harvest them, and then maybe, like, my 40s, think about it. Like, I'm a very, like, I'm a workaholic, and I love kids, but it wasn't on my, like, life Your plan. career I mean, was yeah, coming first. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm super OCD, and I had this very, like, life plan and it was kind of messing with things like I wanted to be married and he at first was shocked like he didn't talk for like five minutes straight but then he I don't understand that like you can only get pregnant by not pulling out like you did this you did this no 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 he okay Milos was a medical doctor right and I had never had you know sex before yes I had sex education in high school but he told me that if he um if he pulled out that I couldn't get pregnant so, and I kept asking him, I'm like, do I need to be on birth control? Do I need, what, this is not, I didn't feel, he's like, no, he's like, he's like, even two healthy people that, you know, are trying, have like, you know, a really hard time having a child. So it was my own naivete that, and I mean, at that point too, I kind of felt like he got me pregnant. I think he knew I was starting to like pull away and, you know, I was you know, declaring my independence and, you know, I was, you know, very, he could tell, you know, how people, you can just tell You can pick up on the right. energies, you can yeah, tell that. You're not jiving the way you were. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he knew. And so, um, so I, you know, was very like upset at him for like five months for like, you know, getting me pregnant. And I spent five months just throwing up 
like in the house. It wasn't until my third trimester that I finally got where I was like, you know, not queasy. Or I think I just also got really used to being nauseated. So I was right. like, you know, I was like, okay, I can be in the car and like a little green. Like I can do this. So <laughs> yeah, about my, my third trimester, Milos had told me when I first met him that he did a little stint in oil and he invested money because his family has all these businesses. They have a coffee company, a, you know, a furniture company, whatever. He had done some in oil and he had invested in this uh, fund. And he told me that his portion that he was getting was $10 billion. And I'm not, he had a, a sheet from the bank showing the bank account, all the information. He had a set up with a real estate agent in Malibu and start looking at multi-million dollar homes because he was sure in a month or whatever that he was going to have like, you know, $150 million and we could easily get a house. So he kept saying, you know, you don't need to keep your place in Highland Park because we're going to be, you know, getting one of these places and like, unless you want to kind of thing. And I was like, okay, well, my house at that point with an expanding family was going to be too small. But I just don't understand, like for him to, he didn't actually have that, but what did he think after you guys were going to buy this house with the, with the fake sheet or whatever it was, you know, the bank statements. Well, we we couldn't, but. How the he hell are y'all going to pay point, for that monthly? Though, like, oh, it's a monthly mortgage. Like, how would you have... But even... I, I, I think at that point, though, he there was something going on. Oh, that they he would have been to... able to. Yes. Like, okay. they would have been able to get the money. I don't know. I don't know if it was their money, but... They would have they been able to something... get it. Yeah, they would have been able to... And, like, you know, you have talking about how they would need to, like, wash it multiple different ways and go through multiple different banks because they can only, like, handle certain increments. Now, looking back, it seems really shady. But, you know, at that point, I did trust him. And, like, that's not my expertise. And, like, if he has proof of income of this that, he, like, a real estate agent believes him and we start looking at properties, like, you know, come on. And, you know, I, I believed him. And, I mean, it did, it did weird me out a little bit because I felt like, you know, am I still with him because I'm pregnant and for security? And it's like, yeah, I think the most terrifying and like time in a woman's life is when she's pregnant. Oh, because absolutely. you are so vulnerable. Yeah. You're, mm-hmm. you're so vulnerable. I felt the most powerful like, whenever I was pregnant, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, but, See, but you I did love, You had love though, right? Like, yeah. You had a solid relationship. And that's the difference. Like you have someone that you love that you created this life with and you are now creating another form of life, an expression of your love. Like that is powerful when you're in a solid right. relationship. But right. when you're not in a sour, solid relationship, it is terrifying because you almost feel like you're being bought. Or I felt like, I was concerned that I was forgiving him and going along with things because he was just the father of my child and it would mean financial security because now I am so pregnant and cannot work. (laughs) I can't see my toes. I'm sure you guys have seen those face wash systems that are super expensive and abrasive for your skin. And anyone who has problem skin knows that you'll try anything to get clear skin, but there's a better solution, which is BioClarity. BioClarity is a three-step system that clears your skin without the harsh chemicals or crazy price tag. I personally have been using the clear skin routine, as I've talked about before. Um, I love BioClarity, and if you have not tried it, I would definitely recommend it. It travels easy. It's very simple. um, doesn't take a brainiac to be able to use it, and that's one thing that I absolutely love about it. BioClarity's products are paraben-free and sulfate-free, and they have a 100% risk-free money-back guarantee, so it's worth a try whether you want to keep your skin perfect or treat problem areas. Get healthier, more radiant skin by going to BioClarity.com. 
And right now, for our listeners, you will save 40% off on a skincare routine plus an additional 15% off everything on their website. That's an incredible deal. But you need to enter our code COFFEE at checkout. So go to bioclarity.com and get 40% off skincare routines plus an additional 15% off everything on their website when you use our code COFFEE at checkout. During this time, were you not working on your YouTube videos at all? Um, I started again, it was Milos's idea. I started um, after about five months. He's like, well, why don't you just start vlogging our lives? And, you know, all we can film Louie, whatever. People will love this. Like, it was a hit. Who's Louie? Louie was his dog, his English bulldog that was in the beginning. So, I'm sorry, like, he had the his bulldog, Louie, and me. So, it was like a Lucy and Desi kind of thing. Like, they loved it. They loved, like, the foreign doctor with the accent and the cute quirky dog and me being pregnant. And people loved the weekly vlogs of our life, like, getting to see, you know, us. And I loved it. It was so fun to be, like, interacting. And I, I, was, I felt ashamed for a long time that I was, like, pregnant, not married. And I know it's old-fashioned, but I was, like, you know, I was worried how people on YouTube would react and their reaction was really positive and people were like absolutely lovely and wonderful. But were you kind of like sharing the story and like your relationship struggles and stuff with people around you, like your mom, your friends, like, did you have anyone to confide in? Did anyone else recognize red flags? Because I, sometimes I feel like the people around you will notice red flags because they're not in that situation so did you get any feedback from people around you at this point like were they like you're moving too fast or this is you or know were you keeping it a secret from people because you were not sure, sure really? or ashamed or i i think any victim of abuse will tell you that you try to defend your abuser so it's it's like i would tell my mom like he yells at me a lot or he's always really angry but i wouldn't go into details about like the extent of abuse or what he was doing like it's like you need someone to confide in and talk to, but you also don't, don't say too want, much. you don't, you don't want repercussions when it comes back on you because then he would blow up at me and then I would have to deal with it. So I think I, um, hid, I am definitely hid on YouTube. Like, you know, they don't understand like all these vlogs. Like I was only filming 10, 12 minutes a day. There's 24 hours in a day. So like, I remember I would have, I had some auditions that would happen for big TV shows and Milos would always pick a fight with me. And then I'd end up like, I really need to learn the lines and like go to this audition. And Milos would just be, be like terrible to me, like almost sabotaging it. And I didn't film any of that. I didn't, I didn't put that part out because I didn't want my audience to hate him. But going back to like red flags, I don't, I think my mom, she kept saying like, you need to stop. Like, I don't care if you're stressed, but you can't keep yelling at Brittany. Like I don't, she's pregnant. Like what? And we had our first instance of like domestic violence when I was pregnant because I was at, I had a weird hormone flux and I was just like, you know, I hated the world and I wanted him, him out and I hated being pregnant. And I got a black trash bag and I started packing up all this stuff. And then he ended up chasing me around the house and I would try to call 911. He ripped the phone out of my hand and hurt my pinky. But then I pushed his face away and he was like, my eye, my eye, like you hurt my eye. I'm a doctor. Like, how am I going to be able to see whatever and ran out of the house? So I immediately felt like I had hurt him. So it was very confusing. But again, from the- that's the manipulation. Right. Uh, when yeah. you're in it, you yeah. can't get, it's like a hole. It's like a rabbit hole that you can't get out of. I mean, I've been yeah, and they're, that. And, they're, and, they're, and they're that good. Like anyone and, going, oh, well, I, no, it's like those, these people, like, especially, you know, my ex are so good at what they do. And we'll... 
you know, so like fast forward a little bit. So we get, you know, we, we basically are going for the house, like, you know, but then Milos tells me that the banker ran away with all the money. At this point, I had put my house up for sale in Highland Park and we had already had offers on it. Like we we're at the point that we're going to be like closing and I couldn't, like, I didn't feel right going, like my real estate agent was one of my really good friends and she had already put in all this time and effort and work and I couldn't just like stop the sale because Milos, you know, wasn't going to get the money. And I thought, okay, well, he's still going to get his boards done. He even said, he's like, what do you want to do? Like, you know, the, we'll get the money, but what do you want to do? And I said, well, okay, we'll stick to our plan, which was get down to San Diego because there's four major hospitals that have residencies. He could easily, once he was, gets his boards done, get a job. So I, you know, we, I sold my house. I was in October. I was, you know, I was a month away from being, you know, giving birth and I'm like packing up everything in major nesting mode. And I, you know, Milish was still studying and we moved down to San Diego. And when we got down to San Diego is when things kind of hit the wall. I think I, the moment I like left my house, I kind of knew that like things kept getting worse and worse. And I kept thinking, why can't our relationship just get a break? Like why, why is it every time that we get better, it's like we take two steps backwards? But I think it's like other people who are in on, in an outside perspective and they don't understand what it's like to be in a mentally or physically abusive relationship. They're always like, why didn't you get out? Or like they, they don't understand that you just... I don't know. I feel like it's like you're in a sunken place, sort of. Well, they, like, they work you slowly. They don't, like, I, I remember at first, like, the fights weren't huge, but, like, he, they figure out where to push and what hurts you and how to manipulate, and they're really good at it. So he, like, knew the buttons to push to, like, keep me in line or keep me in my place, and he went at me for hours and hours, and it becomes conditioning where you just don't want them to scream at you for four hours. Right, so you're willing right. to do whatever they want, just so they don't yell at you. But, but I then you still can't get out. And I, I can definitely yeah, relate yeah. to that. Yeah. And the tricky part too was I'm down in San Diego and I started to realize like, wait a minute, he like, you know, now we're not getting a house. I'm, you know, was, I sold my house because I was like also 30,000 or more in debt because of all the months that I didn't work and I'm financially supporting Milo and paying all the car payments and doing everything and all the medical bills. So you know, thankfully the house had cleared a lot of the debt, but then I only had money for like two to three months living and he needed to get a job. So we got down to San Diego and it, it just got really weird. I was like, you know, I, you know, I'm very pregnant. My mom had helped us move and my computer had broke. So my mom was on Milos's laptop because I was editing on my laptop and not my desktop because it was being repaired. And she just wanted to go look at my YouTube channel. So she started typing YouTube into Milos's laptop and automatically it started populating like you jizz, you porn. And my mom was like, Brittany, what is this? So I'm like huge pregnant come over to the laptop and I went into his history and the past two or three days were fine it was just his like USMLE tests like quizzes like you know his news sites but I just went into the history and started typing like keywords I found out like all the nights Samuel said he was studying while I was pregnant he was basically watching porn all night long and like interactive porn and I took screenshots and I was gonna make it like his like screen like his background and his screensaver so when he came home I'd be like you know Milos what's this we need to talk but um 
I, you know, I was really hurt because I feel like, you know, being pregnant is like a very like sacred point in time. And like, you know, he was supposed to be studying and he was just watching porn all night long. Right. So I think, you know, I, I got those started to get those mommy protective instincts. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm letting this man be like verbally abusive to me and not treat me the best. And I'm paying for everything. I think I started to wake up a little bit. I was right. like, shouldn't he treat me a little bit better if I'm taking care of everything? Well, so... To be perfectly honest, when you're telling me this story, I think the way Kale explained it, like people on the outside, obviously it's like all after the fact and you're telling this story, everything from like the start has been a red flag for, for you me. Because right. you've oh, never yeah. been oh, in, yeah. a, in a relationship, Ship, right. like an abusive, well, I don't want to speak for you, but yeah. um, whereas like for me, I've been in an emotionally and abusive, um, physically and emotionally abusive relationship and separately too. So- I can kind of see maybe the red flags that were ignored and then you continue with the relationship, but then you can't get out of it where like you yeah. have you're, not you're understood deep. from yeah. the jump why she was in it. Right. So well, they, they start to change you. Like he was lovely for the first three, four months, like Prince, Char- Prince Charming. And then you're on the hook. You love them and it's like a drug. And then they slowly start to manipulate. And like, you know, with my ex being like a sociopath, like it's a slow play. They enjoy it. So it's not quick it's very like it's a slow manipulation so by you know the more and more things that I allowed to happen it's like he made me feel like I was doing everything wrong like even before my son was born they were talking about getting him like Bosnian Serbian citizenship and like we need to go to Serbia like you know we do all this stuff and I it just started it got weird for me I'm like my son's an American citizen like and I started looking up you know what do you need to apply it's like no he just apply himself for citizenship for our son and get approved I won't even need to be you know approving it for him to get it and let's say we went to Serbia and our son was Bosnian Serbian citizen and he, you know, is a citizen. I'm not, they could stay with my son and just send me home. Like I would have no legal rights. And that's so scary. That's get, so scary. Yeah. It's starting a little weird. And they kept pushing it. They're like, when, you know, when he's four to five months old, like we're going to go oh, to Serbia, we'll get married, all these things. So my son was born and his mom who I'd met before and I, you know, she was nice. Like I didn't, have any like weird things she just turned into like this graham monster from the moment monster my son was born what is it called? I could monster, do- monster in law graham, graham monster yes i could not do anything right like she i couldn't put on the diaper right i didn't bathe him right i wasn't burping him right i wasn't doing anything right. but i think that's relatable to a lot of people because yeah i mean not just in in your situation and i don't want to you know downplay your situation but oh no not at all yeah and a lot of people's um lives i think that with their in-laws um it's hard when it's not like the maternal grandmother because the maternal grandmother normally has a little bit more um leverage because of the mom you know and the and and they have more time yeah they're more comfortable in the room with them and yeah right and so i think that um as the paternal grandmother, she probably wanted to see you do things the way that like she felt was right, but maybe the way that she did them was in a way of like aggression and control. But it was weird though, because like she would take, like my son was only a few days old and he was crying and I was like down to him. She would come and take my child from me. Yeah. And she she would go, my baby, my baby. And I was like, no, I just gave birth. This is my son. Like, you know, I... It's a a huge sharing process, you know, like when you bring a new being into the world, it's like you have to 
to learn to um, share, but it's really hard with the mother because you go, as a mom, you go through like all of the things after you have a baby that it's like, okay, I have done all of this for nine months and it's my baby. It was a weird situation though. Like I was around like other family members of his too, but they, you know, they didn't treat, it was like very possessive and when, you know, I, I finally had to talk to her about after four days, I was like, I was hiding out in the room because I'm right in the hospital. Um, my mom, we had got a bunch of trays of food because like luckily in San Diego at the hospital, they had like catering. So um, when we were in there, they, they ordered like breakfast and um, the my mom was going to hand Milos's tray and she yanked the tray out of my mom's hand and she goes, no, I feed my son and like weird behavior. So. It almost sounds like a sense of grooming to me. Did you ever, Uh, did human human trafficking ever cross your mind at any point during this? um, Look, I don't don't know what, that was the conclusion that Milos came to in the episode. I can't like legally say he was going to do this, but everything was leading up to where it's getting very strange. Because like when my son was four days old, I finally like four or five days old, I finally wanted to just talk to her because I knew her English was really good and because she would understand a lot of what I was saying. And like, even when she pretended like she didn't. So I wanted to just sit down with her and say, I just need you to be supportive. And I just needed some supportive words and have that like conversation just to get her to back off a little bit. And she went crazy right away and was like, well, do you want us to leave? And I was like, I, I don't know. I'm trying to talk this through. She's like, well, do you want us to leave? And I said, and she goes, she started screaming at me. She goes, my baby, my baby. And I said, no, he is my son. And that's when she went to her bedroom, grabbed all her stuff, threw it in her suitcase. And Milos and his mom and the dog left. So I had just given a bit like birth. I'm in this random apartment in San Diego. Milos moves out with his mom to some hotel and that's when things got really bad. And Milos would just come back like every day or every few days. And he, he said I wasn't allowed to leave the home for the first month because our son, you know, immune system wasn't fully developed. So I didn't leave the apartment for one month. Well, and all I basically, that was I basically relatable. A- that's relatable. I mean, yeah, for, for me, I mean, I'm sure he had different reasons, but I didn't, I think I didn't leave home probably for the first time with my son, other than to just do like the standard doctor's appointments. He was born in late December and I didn't probably take him out of the house until the second week of February. Yeah. It's not bad, but the hard part was I wasn't allowed to leave and all I had to do all day was wait for Milos to come back. And like, I just wanted to fix things. Did you trust him at that point? Like if he was to come back to the house to see, you know, you and your son, you know, where you could like take a nap and he would, you know, kind of care for the baby no. or was he not hands-on or what did that look he like? He was, he was completely emotionally detached from the moment that child was So why born. was he like, even he did- coming around? I don't know. He, he would come and scream at me. And I started, I started, got, I got to the point that I started documenting things as I thought legally I might need this. So I started right. writing down like this day, he said this, like, I remember one time, all I said to him is I wish things could go back to the way they were. And he just was off and screaming. He was grabbing his clothes that he had left and throwing them on the floor. And my mom had come like she was with, with our son in the other room. Cause I wanted him like away. And I was like curled up on the bed crying, like just begging him to stop. And my mom, like, needed another diaper for my son. So she came over to, like, knock on the door. 
and Milos opens it a little bit and like starts screaming at her and she's just she's like I need a diaper and he goes you get out you get out and he slammed the door right in her face and it was like right it almost hit my son and my mom and like I think at that point I knew I needed to get out I just didn't know how and it was weird like he only wanted photos of my son like even from the start his mom never took a photo of me and the baby it was always just the baby and she kept talking about how his skin was so smooth and he had no flaws and it was weird I was thinking well if he had three eyes I don't care it's my son like I, I didn't understand the talk about him being like flawless or you know would even matter so I wanted to break up with him, but then I I got to the point that he was really sick and he had strep throat. So oh. going back to your conversation, the worst for about yeah ten days, and so he couldn't see me or Rex. And then he started going to the doctor, and it wouldn't go away. He had like a white streak down the back of his throat, and they basically told him that he had cancer. So like this is what point, he's telling you or this is yeah he, yeah he told me at first that he had melioid fibrosis it's a really rare form of blood cancer and the symptoms that he had do correlate with the symptoms that he was having like I went online and Google don't like, tell me that because I'm a hypochondriac I'm gonna yeah, go back Kale, to my Kale will go back to her room she's gonna go back to her room and be like I have cancer <laughs> your spleen swollen and like all these things like don't you're fine but um when this happened like he like you know told me that they found out he had amelia fibrosis and that was like devastating because my dad passed away from cancer so i was like not again and i kept like praying to god i'm like this cannot be happening like why things just get worse and worse so I told my mom, I'm like, I need you to go back to Arizona. Like, I need to work things out with the father of my child. So my mom ended up leaving. Milos moved back in. But the first day he was there was our second instance of domestic violence. So it was like deja vu. Like, he was out of control. He was holding our son. Uh, he was, like, screaming at me, basically telling me that I caused this. Like, you're the reason that all the stress you caused. Like, you're the reason I have cancer. And he was just crazy. So You I was didn't in the believe that, that, did you? I did it. Well, I mean, at that point, I think I did. Now, no. But at that point, I felt like everything was my fault because it always was. So, um, so I was crying, trying to call 911. And again, he like, you know, ripped the phone out of my hand and it hyperextended my pinky. And my son had spit up on me earlier. So when Milos finally calmed down, he gave me back my phone. I remember I went into the closet and I really quickly snapped some photos of my pinky because my pinky had like ballooned like three times the size of what it should be. Then I changed the lock screen on my phone because I want to make sure Milos couldn't get access to them. And I just hung on to them because I knew I might need them. But at that point, too, I felt like, oh, he has cancer. He's terrified. I made excuses for his behavior. But as this went on, things got really weird because he wouldn't let me come to the hospital with him. And I was like, well, we can even have your mom watch. I want to come to one of your appointments. And he kept insisting, no, like if you, you trusted his mom enough you... to let her around the baby by yourself, by herself. Not, not really. But like, I was thinking, well, he has cancer and he's going and getting like treatments, treatments on his own. And I thought, well, I will at least want to meet his doctors or see what he's doing. And then they told me that he, um, they had misdiagnosed and he thought he had, um, it was a chronic lymphoblastic leukemia, which has a really high cure rate. So we're like, yay, good news. Like, you know, he could be legitimately cured in two months at that point, but it just kept not adding up. I'm like, how is he getting Tanner every time he goes to an appointment? And how is he still playing tennis? And it was weird though. He, well, he told me he, in between his appointments, he was sitting outside on the bench getting some sun, like, just because he's depressed. Like, and I was like, but he's getting tan everywhere. I'm like, are you sitting at the hospital with your shirt off? Like, it was getting weird. But it was weird because he had the, the cancer symptoms. Like, he would sweat all night long. He um, was throwing up, like, he in front of me all the 
it, we're getting to there. So, um, so then he was, um, he had, his heart was racing. He still had that white streak. Like his glands were swollen, like he, all this weird stuff. He was dropping a bunch of weight. So, um, I, he kept telling me that he was on, um, it was, uh, what's called rituxaban or rituxab or whatever it's called. And, um, oh, interferon alpha, they're immunotherapy drugs, right? Yes. So I was up really late one night and I kept bugging him. I'm like, why are we not going to like New York or like Texas? Why are we not going to a really good cancer hospital if your family has all this money? Right. So I started looking up how these drugs were administered and it said by IV and everything clicked. I'm like, there wasn't a mark on his body because when I was pregnant in the hospital, I had, you know, an IV for two days. They leave it in in case they need to, you know, have any surgery or you need to have a C-section. And I had a purple mark, like, you know, any person that's had an IV, you always have a mark, right? And if he was getting those drugs administered, you know, every couple of days for months, he should have been riddled with like purple and black and blue marks on his hands and arms and everywhere. And there was nothing. So at that point, I knew he was faking cancer. So I had to make a quick plan with my mom. And when I was away from him, I broke up with him. And then I had, you know, the evidence from the photos and I filed for a police report and I went through a trial for domestic violence. And then I ended up getting a two-year restraining order against him and then also full custody of our son. So, so did you leave like in the middle of the night and not tell him? No, or I, what did that no, look like? No, I was... I was very smart. I told him, because basically I'm the breadwinner, so he needs money, right? So I had legitimate meetings set up in Los Angeles, and my son was still breastfeeding. So it was the perfect excuse to get away from him. So my mom came into town to help me with my son, even though he couldn't really stand my mom at that point because he's trying to separate us. But um, my mom came into town. We went to L.A. I wanted to file a police report in L.A., and they said, you need to report it in the county of the crime. And I'm like, you have to be kidding me. So I had to go. I broke up with him by text message, um, had him move out his stuff. He stole my birth certificate and other things. So um i and also had we had to have the locks changed right away because the way he left stuff he obviously still had keys because he put everything inside and locked the door but the key was inside so we knew he had an extra key so um uh then then from there i had a police officer come over file a police report went myself the next day to the courthouse stood in line you know applied for the temporary restraining order and then i got a good lawyer but the hardest part is not like it's the hardest part's not always when you're in it. The hardest part's when you get out because there's that fear factor and they use it against you. And I had like you, he had also recorded me in the shower. Like he had what he thought was blackmail on me. So it was a very scary process, but like I got my like, you know, backbone back and I, you know, what I didn't do for myself, I did for my son. So he moves out. Do you stay in the apartment or did you get a new place? I had to stay there. I wasn't allowed to leave because of the, the Paul, like I couldn't afford to go to like another apartment. I had to stay in San Diego County until it was another like month until our trial for the, just the first initial, like, you know, it wasn't the full trial. It was the first initial date to set the trial. I had to wait for permission from the judge to move out of state. The judge knew what we were asking and they approved it. They let me move out of state with the son and my son, you know, his name was Misha at birth, but now Rex. Rex moved with me to Arizona and only the court had our address. So that was protected through the court. Okay. So through all of this was, I know you had the restraining order. So was there any type of contact with him or it was just kind of like you were, it was done and then you haven't seen him since or what, what is that like now? 
I mean, legally, I can't talk about, I don't think it'll ever be done. Like legally, you know, you'll know anyone that has been involved with a sociopath, it's never over, especially if you get away. So I, um, but I guess the question for us is like for, for us just personally, because we're nosy about this and probably for the listeners, (laughs) like, does he still exist in the United States? Like, how does it work with you even communicate, like communicating, talking about this openly, your fears yeah. associated with that, like just as a woman, he, um, how is that? Yeah, he's not had any contact with um, or tried to see Rex since I, or he didn't even ask about him at all during the trials. Well, so, would you have let him even if he asked? I went illegally. I um, he wasn't during the trial. He wouldn't have been allowed to. But even afterwards, I mean, legally he can see him if he wanted to. But he'd have to come to my county of residence. He has to pay all the fees. And is it supervised? Because I would be yeah, scared that he would take my son no, and leave. Nope. No, has to be supervised. It can only be him. He cannot have anyone else with him. And only for two hours at a time, um, twice a week is what it would be. And I'm allowed to move anytime I want. And within, like, you know, they made it really strict for liberal California courts. So he is not um, acted upon trying to see his son. And I have not. Has done this to any other women and if he has other children? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the most hard. I tried to leave that out of the. Like, cause I started writing my book while the trial was going on. Cause I just needed someone to talk to and right. I couldn't legally talk about it in a YouTube mm-hmm. video. Right. And I just started talking to my computer, but while I was writing it, um, he got involved with another woman. Cause I, being on social media, like she's on social media too, his new wife. And this woman contacted me on Instagram and she's like, Brittany, like I, here's, you know, Milos and Louie with another woman. Like, I don't know what happened with you, but should I be concerned? She's a friend of mine and she's this fitness blogger. Like, should I warn her? And I, couldn't say anything because I was fighting for a restraining order and then like just following that then I got follow-up messages like did you know she's pregnant did you know they're married so during my trial like within a few months he'd already met someone else then got her pregnant and then married her so where's her her child is her child and join and and join the army I don't I don't know he joined the army is that even legal yeah he I, well, here's the thing. Like he testified all during the trial that he was the first Serbian doctor and whatever. And like you know, I I'm only allowed to say so much on FOIA requests because a lot of that is like protected information. But I can say he did not enlist as a doctor in the army. So um, we could, we did find out exactly what he enlisted as. I'm not allowed to say that, but he did not enlist as a doctor. So, I just feel like that should not. He should not be allowed in the army. I don't, I don't, maybe they liked his language that he speaks, you know, Serbian and Russian because he you does. you can't trust I, him. I you know. can't trust what he's going to do, what the information, you don't know what he's capable of. I, I don't know. I can't, we have tried following, like we've spent, sent like multiple FOIA requests to follow up on other things and not like, you know, the, a lot of it's in appeals. Like we don't have answers to things, but I, I don't know. I don't know their thinking or why, but um maybe because oh, i tried to tell you guys but i uh when i first met him he told me that this woman was his grandmother in beverly hills well that was actually his wife so when i met him he was married to an elderly like russian woman and um she was really hot though she's gorgeous and she it was her apartment and and you know in beverly hills it was her house in the hollywood hills it, she paid for the place in marina del rey she paid for louis she was the reason that Milos had like a temporary green card for like two years. So um, when I met him, he was actually married. <laughs> and the woman that, wow. that contacted me, he did cheat on me. The one that he said was a call girl. She's not a call girl at all. And she said, you know, we don't even know if he's 
a doctor even now i can't say i don't know he's not certified you know there's no proof like he wasn't even in 15 hours of trial he was not able to prove it so i don't know i don't know if his name is milos i know that the coffee company that they said they own they don't own i know what i think i figured out is that all these businesses they're kind of like leeches they present themselves to these foreign companies that maybe don't have an american contact and they say oh we'll sell your coffee in the united states does that make sense right. and then they tell the united states people like oh this is our company but we don't we get 10 percent of anything so they figure out a way by attaching themselves to the people that have these companies that are legitimate businesses to you know get them something they need and then get a percentage of it so moving it was just everything everything he told me like and it was he told me he also that he worked at this hospital right and he was a doctor and he had a key card from this hospital with his photo on it well he I was probably a janitor like, no, no, come to find out, I contacted the, the head of surgery, who was his friend, and basically he got him an unpaid internship in his lab. Milo showed up, filled up, filled out like the paperwork, got his key card, and then never showed up to the lab. So he posted on his LinkedIn, his Facebook, everywhere that he was a you know employed by this hospital as a doctor. And, you know, I mean, you didn't state doctor, you just said employed at, you know, UMI, but it was another, you know, obviously there's no UMI hospital, I have to change the name, but it was a hospital in Orange County that was legitimate. So I, everything he told me was a beautifully crafted lie. It's so crazy to wrap your head, try to wrap your head around this entire story and all the details. And, you know, there's so many things that play into a relationship like this and kind of like piggybacking off of what Lindsay said, it's really hard for someone who hasn't been in a relationship like that to kind of understand how you could get involved with something like this. But And the complexity of right, a story of a like this. Yeah. Like it's so hard even when you're, you've been in one and you're listening and you're like, wow, like how could this happen to somebody? And, you know, I don't know. I feel like um, I looked at your YouTube before and I was like this, I, it would have been hard for me to really picture you going through something like this because I did see some of your other videos and I know how positive they are and how raw you are and people your fan base loves you I tweeted about you know having you on the podcast today and um you know everyone just couldn't stop tweeting about how great you were so it's so crazy that you know you have gone through something like this and you know we're fortunate enough to have had you on the podcast today and it, yeah, I think you just, and it's hard and, you know, people, if they do go through it, you can't, like the hardest part for me was not like forgiving Milos, it was forgiving myself. Right. Because and, cause mm -hmm. you, you have all this guilt, like why, why, why didn't I miss it? You look back, but the thing is it happened. Like, and you, hindsight is always 2020. You can't always see yeah. what's going on when you're in this situation. And that extreme charisma is like, it's, it's intoxicating and like people like him have it. Like they just... You know, there's those people that walk into a room and everyone notices and they can wrap everyone around their fingers and you can't, they're, it's hard, it's really hard to resist that kind of person. And it's funny because my husband is probably completely opposite of that type of personality. He's like not a finesser. He <laughs> has no charisma. You know, it's just like... He does have charisma. But you know what I mean? It's yeah, like no, he's I not know. like trying to... He's not smooth. Yeah, he's yeah. not smooth. Yeah. Like anything that he ever does, if he's like trying to be sneaky about something, he gets caught. Like he's not he's not slick Rick, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's... And I'm not really attracted to slick Rick either. Oh, so. I am. I for sure am. <laughs> like I'm easily like this could have happened to me. Right. And yeah. see, because of me not being attracted to that, I can't see myself in this situation, but I'm not going to say that 
it couldn't happen. You right. know, I think it could happen to anybody, but I think there's certain personalities that, um, like you, Brittany, you were attracted to his slick rickness and or it was, but also like he just, he figured out what I needed and mm-hmm. I wanted like, a you know, a really sweet guy. So he was a sweet, good listener for months before, you know, the true colors came out. So you can, they're just, they're like, they're chameleons and you can't like, I think the the biggest thing, even if you would never be attracted to it, it's good for people that have been in abusive situations to talk about it because then even if you would never fall for that, you can help someone who is going through it. Right. How else do you understand unless you, I tried to like write it from when I was writing the book from my mindset so you would understand how I fell for everything. So, you know, it's, it's, it's harder here, but like when you read about everything and then like you start to understand how I mentally justified everything. Um, a lot of people, you do that. Definitely. What, let us know, let our listeners know what your book is called and where people can find you, your YouTube, any social channels and things that you're working on now. Okay. Um, my book is called a sucky love story overcoming unhappily ever after it's on, um, audible iTunes at Barnes Noble, Amazon, iBooks, wherever books are sold. Um, my YouTube channel is Brittany Louise Taylor, B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I. And, um, I have some other stuff that's scripted that I'm working on, like possibly like, a, you know, a scripted podcast or, but it's not anything that'll be as raw and real as my story was. So I'd rather do things that are more creative and not so hard. Cause like, you know, you can only live in that for so long. And I, you know, I went there, but I just don't, I don't, I want to move forward. As you should. Well, thank yeah. you so much for taking your time um, to tell our listeners your story and to let us get a little bit more information from what we've seen from YouTube and um, your social channels. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you guys have been you. lovely. I know I've done most of the talking, but we only got like an hour. We got to like pack it in. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot. Well, thank you so much, and we hope you have a great afternoon. You too, and I hope I get to meet you guys someday in person. We will. We Thank will. you. Okay, good. Bye, girls. Bye. Bye. Okay, well, that whole interview and the whole story is so crazy mm-hmm. to me. It's insane to me because I don't really understand, like, modern-day dating, I guess. Well, I've never been on a dating app either, so I can't... I can't relate on how that kind of stuff happens, and I can't... Um, but even for me, like I said, being in... Um, an abusive relationship, I don't see how she didn't see the red flags. Right. I mean, from the fact of, I guess I'm kind of like speaking from a point, If I, when I was dating Will, if he would have given me anxiety, he gives me anxiety now, but when I was dating him, um, the only he gave me anxiety on our first date because he was drunk and he told the waiter that he wanted to order me the soup du jour and I don't even like soup. So that gave me anxiety. But other than what? that, <laughs> on our first date, what he was is drunk. Soup, soup du jour? Like soup of the day or something. And the waiter came to the um, table and was like, "He Will goes, the madam will have the soup du jour. <laughs> and I was like, I'm never dating this guy again. But then I did. Right. So I kind of relate um, in that instance, but I think mine was more of like a funny anxiety and hers is probably like, I might get killed anxiety. Yeah. That's like more 
what I would have thought was going to happen was like he was going to try to kill her, like based on what she said in the beginning, um, you know, and kind of how it played out and he blew her off. And then he was like so adamant about meeting up with her after that. But I was like, oh, he definitely wants to kill her. Yeah. It almost makes you think um, like there was, there was something like premeditated. I think if somebody blew me off, I would just, I don't have anything invested in them already. So I would probably just be like, okay, whatever. Right. Like and never meet up with them again. Right. And I'm not, like I said before, I'm not really, um, I've never been into like slick ricks, you know? Yeah. And I feel like you're probably into that. I mean, now I'm not. But right. old me for sure, slick ricks getting smooth, smooth talking their their way right in. Right. And you can't smooth talk me. No. Because you're not that, falling for it. Yeah. I'm not falling for it. I'm like, you're so full of shit and please do Go less. somewhere. <laughs> do less. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't try to smooth talk me. Um, we didn't have enough time in the podcast to kind of tell the entire story. Um, but if you want to listen to the full story from the beginning all the way till the end, there's a video on YouTube, the one that I talked about that Lindsay sent me. Um, and if you search um, Shane Dawson and Brittany Louise Taylor, it'll come up on YouTube. And um, there's more details. And it's the longer version of what she told us on the podcast. And unfortunately... Um I guess I would have liked to have known more information than even what was in the YouTube, but I guess because of um, legal reasons and stuff, she can't, you know, give some of that information. So I wonder why. I don't know. And I just wonder how he was allowed to join the military. Me too. Like you can't trust somebody like that. So how are they going to... Well, it makes me feel like our system's flawed, you know, like in a lot of ways, because for this to have all gone on and for him to still be able to join. And did you notice how she said, like, if his name is even Milos or whatever? Milos. Milos. Like, how do you not know after you've gone to court? Because maybe you can change your name when you come to a new country. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it's just all bizarre to me. I feel like she gave him so many chances over and over again. And it makes me wonder if anybody who is listening, if you've ever been in a situation like this or um, maybe not to this extreme, but um, been in a relationship where you see all the red flags, uh, people pointed out to you and you still give them chance after chance after chance. No. This is a safety thing. Yeah. Like, they could have kidnapped her son. Yeah. It made me think that um, all of the things that she said to me sounded like grooming. Like, he was, like she was being groomed to um, be, like, a slave or something. Or, like, her son was going to get trafficked, trafficked or, some, or maybe they were both going to get trafficked. I don't know. But that's what it made it seem like to me. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. Because she kept saying how the mother-in-law kept talking about how the baby was flawless. And, I mean, obviously... I didn't get a chance to ask her, like, what she has planned for the future to tell her son. Well, I know that she changed her son's name legally. I knew that. Um, But I almost don't understand that, too, because 
if they kind of assumed new identities, but he still has the right to come around, come around. I don't know what the point would be to change your identity. Well, I also don't understand the point of him being in the U.S. Army. That really bothers me. Really bothers me too. Maybe if anybody is in the army that's listening, can you please explain? Like, like, do they not know this whole backstory? Why would they let him do that? Don't they do like background checks on people? Maybe he's so. Maybe he changed his name again. Yeah. Maybe he's so um, slick that he cheated the government, too. It's such a wild story. I just don't think that I would ever believe somebody that I had been, like, paying their rent for six months or whatever that I'm going to look at houses in Malibu. There were, like, eight and $9 million homes. Yeah, if I've been paying their rent for six months, that's pretty much a history. Like, you're not just going to all of a sudden run into $8 million. Well, how does a banker steal $8 million or how much money did he have? I forget how much money it was. Like but millions it was like a of dollars. Amount of money. You don't get away with stealing that much money these days. Like, that's just like not a thing. No. So, as I heard her side of the story, like talking to her and also watching the YouTube video, it made me feel like a situation in some ways similar to um, the Janelle and David situation. Yeah. I mean, now that you say that, I definitely think both Brittany and... Not like trafficking or anything like that. No, but like Brittany and Janelle were both, they're very naive and um, I feel like more, they were like easily manipulated and naive and just kind of like more likely to, I guess, like ignore red flags and kind of see past them and hope that it still works, which in a lot of aspects is like me in past relationships that I've been in. And you just know that they're not a good fit, but you stay anyway. But I guess my question, since I haven't been in those situations would be, what are you, are you holding out hope that this person is going to change or are you very aware that this person is like a flawed individual character wise. Yeah. I think, um, a lot of it boils down to self-esteem, right? So, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, I've been not having self-esteem. You can't sit here and tell me that Janelle has self-esteem to put up with that stuff. And, you know, maybe Brittany felt the same way. This was the first person that she had ever been with. So, um, it's, I don't know how to describe it. Right. And I think too, what was, um, very scary since you hit on that point to me was the fact of the lack of sex education, because I think, did you notice how she said, um, that certain things like you learn in school or whatever, but it wasn't enough for her to, um, kind of be prepared for a real uh actual like sexual relationship right about like the birth control and how he was able to like convince her that you know it's hard for even two healthy people to get pregnant which is true and i mean that is true and i do get that to an extent but i think back on sex education in school and they didn't really teach you anything i don't know if it's like state mandated that they have to you know teach some certain form of, things like sex education but Nothing that like happens in real life, I feel like I learned. I remember then. them going over like STDs, but I don't, I didn't even know what it was, like what actually happened. Right. And that you need to 
there's fluids that come out and this creates a baby. That's not what I learned in the sixth grade. Right. It was like, if you have sex, you'll get this disease. Like the mean girls. And you're like, like, wait a minute. How does this happen? Like, what is sex? If you have sex, you'll get gonorrhea and die. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's horrible. But yeah, that's basically what I remember. Like, I don't remember them like really explaining in sex ed. It wasn't until it was too late. Right. And I mean, she was 31 years old, you know, before she had sex for the first time. So... Yeah. That's so wild. The whole it's, it's, the whole story is so crazy. It's very wild. Yeah. I think one big moral of the story is to trust yourself. And, you know, I think a lot of times we second guess our, our instincts. But when you look back on everything and hindsight is twenty twenty, you know that your gut instinct is always right. So, you know, don't second guess it. I always, I'm a second guesser about everything. Like I think the first thing, but I always think worst case scenario and I normally go with that. So I don't know if that's a flaw for me because I'm a pessimist (laughs) or (laughs) basically in situations like this, people are chameleons and you have to be a little bit pessimistic and um, not so Realistic, I think. (laughs) Not pessimistic. Pessimistic, whatever. I'm a pessimist. Um, Yeah, (laughs) basically. Yeah, so that was a really complex story. Uh, and like we said, go on YouTube if you want to watch the full thing in um, from start to finish. Um, you know, glad that we got her on the podcast, and I guess we'll see what's next. If you guys also would like to read her book, she wrote a book in December of 2018 called A Sucky Love Story. Um, I'm sure that you can find it on Amazon or wherever. Um, Thank you guys for listening. We hope that this brought some type of awareness to just be careful out there. Um, Life chameleons, guys. So I think that's all we have time for this week. If you guys have not followed us on at Coffee Convos podcast on Instagram, you can follow us over there. And if you have not subscribed to the podcast, you can do that by searching the Purple Podcast app on your iPhone, typing in Coffee Convos, click subscribe, click the fifth star, and leave us a written review. We hope you guys have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. See ya. This podcast is brought to you by Wave Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows, including the Brain Candy Podcast, I Don't Get It, Coffee Convos, and Let's Talk About It.